And welcome to the Seton Hall Sports Bowl presented by the Stillman School of Business by the Sharkey Institute at Seton Hall University. My name is Seth Everett. The director of the Seton Hall Sports Bowl is Rick Gentile. And Rick, another semester and another school year is coming to an end. Yeah, it's a little sad. We finished, this is our seventh poll, and now we'll take a break till September. And that means the first season of the Seton Hall Sports Bowl podcast is over. Uh, what will you replace your podcast listening with? I'll, I'll just have to listen to old Prince albums. <laughs> and you brought it up first. You did it first. Thank you very much. Prince was brought up on the Seton Hall Sports Bowl podcast, but not by me. By more than a two-to-one margin, the nation believes the NFL has not been honest in recent years on the subject of head injuries, according to the poll. That's something that the concussion movie had to have helped with. The, you know, Obviously, the book uh, that, that was the basis for the movie, but when it's something gets serialized into a movie form, that becomes much more well-known. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of factors, certainly the movie and the fact that it was much talked about. Um, I'm not sure how widely seen it was. Um, and did you see it? I did not see it, no. Actually, I loved it. I thought it was great. I saw a little bit of it on a plane on the way home from L.A., and I fell asleep. But not a knock of the movie. <laughs> it was a red eye. That is the second thing noted in the Seton Hall Sports Bowl podcast that is not in the opinion of Seton Hall University. I, I thought the, the thing about the movie was it was true to form of the book, and there was a PBS documentary a few years ago that outlined all of this, I, I want to ask you this question from your sports expertise, and then we can tie it to the poll. And that is, what were they hiding? What was the? Wh- I understand most cover-ups. I understand ugly cover-ups. I don't understand what they were hiding. Somebody was uh, protecting something, and and it's it's really you're right. It's unclear what it is they were hiding because as part of the process, they were admitting, um, you know, they were they had made a deal with the retired players. Evidence was constantly coming out through over the years. I don't, I don't understand it. You know, it's 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 incumbent on a league, a conference, whatever, to protect not just the integrity of of the game, but the integrity of the entity. Whether it's the National Football League protecting the integrity of the name of the shield, um, and I think that's where we are now. That that, that there's a failing there. But the idea that you know fans continue to not care that's the other thing and that raises another issue because first of all my impressions of the poll were that people were honest on this i i respect honesty i because we don't always get it you know when whenever we talk gambling you don't get the honest answer but you did in this case and that's interesting because it's a very selfish point of view i feel for these athletes when they go through head trauma it makes me care less about the result of the game. I I just feel like I'm in the minority. I think I think there's you have a certain knowledge level. I think the average fan doesn't think about the entity of the NFL. They think about National Football League football. And so they think that this entity, the league, has done something dishonest, but it doesn't affect their interest in the game. You know, I think that there's a subtle difference there and and I think that's where where we are. So the argument during the steroid crisis was fans care about their team first and the league second. In the NFL, they care about their fantasy team and then their team. Yeah, they're, they're rooting. If, they're, if you root for the New England Patriots, Tom Brady can do no wrong. 
Um, the Patriots can do no wrong. If the NFL has been negligent in terms of its truthfulness or truthiness, as uh, Stephen Colbert would say, uh, about 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 um, concussions, so be it. I'm still a Patriots fan. If if Tom Brady has been accused and suspended because of of deflating footballs, well, that's not fair. I want Tom Brady to play every game next year. Fifty-one percent feel the NFL is not doing enough to protect its players yet. Thirty-five percent feel they do. Uh, what would a, explain the thought process? How does somebody say, "Oh, yeah, they're doing fine"? Well, I think I think that you know, you, again, the fact that the NFL has not been truthful about this issue over the years, or at least people feel that way, and now I think you can argue that what one could argue, certainly the NFL would argue, that we're we're researching this problem, we're looking into redesigning helmets. Uh, we have concussion protocol now. We're doing things that weren't done years ago, and I, I could see where fans would say, "Yeah, they're 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 dealing with it." Twenty nine percent, nearly a third, now view the NFL less favorably. Your thoughts on that response? That's the most serious problem of all. Again, the, the league's. Ma- what if people don't care? Why is that? Well, because the league is to protect the integrity of the game and the and the league. You ha- the league needs you to believe that it is doing everything in its power to protect the integrity of the game, that the game you're watching is on the up and up, um, that things are being done to protect the players, sa- safety, um, injury-free, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that part is a little disturbing. I don't care. I still like football, but I'm, not, I'm now concerned that the league isn't doing enough. Right, that's the 56% who say that it had no effect on their feelings about the league. 7% see it more favorably. I don't think they were listening to the question, but the idea the idea here is I don't understand why there's been a cover-up of any kind, but to take that now to the next level, I don't understand why they the NFL could solve this and set up a waiver. You know, to go on a scary ride at 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 the amusement park you need to sign a waiver. Um, sign the waiver and let players go in. You know, you asked the question, and I knew the timing of it, you know, when you had the, the, the poll, DeBrickashore Ferguson uh, re- announcing his retirement. We've seen the, the young man in San Francisco with the 49ers that retired at 24. Um, there are enough of those circumstances that I think it's a red flag. I, again, it's not going to hurt a ratings point. It's not going to cost them $1. It won't affect, I don't think, it won't affect people watching the game. But what it might affect is mothers letting their kids play, is high schools having football programs. This could be a long-range damaging thing, or the NFL will make whatever adjustments it needs. Maybe it's a waiver. Um, maybe the maybe the, the research that it's doing on helmets, for instance, is, is adequate. Um, you know, there's. I think there's a feeling that the league is is on it now. The dishonesty part has passed us. The cover up is over. Now we now we have to acknowledge in in making in settling the suit with the former play with retired players. There's an acknowledgement. Their their medical person has acknowledged that there's a link. So that's all behind us. It's it's like baseball and steroids to a degree. Yeah, there was bad stuff going on, but we're on it now. And people want to believe that because people want to get their Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever other days, football. But this idea, but to take that conversation, uh, baseball has seen a huge decrease in the amount of offense 
in a sport league-wide, I don't think there's been any change in the NFL. The, the rules are still offensive, the same amount of concussions. Concussions are actually up because they're detecting more of them, but the quality of the sport hasn't been changed. No, it's, it hasn't been, correct. As I said, it could be a long-range situation where, where there's simply fewer, fewer young athletes getting involved in the game because it's because of the danger. Not that it hasn't always been dangerous. I mean, what's the lifespan of a professional football player? Two years or something? You know, it's not. This is not if you're looking for a long-term career. This probably isn't the game for you. 80% said uh, greater precautions should be taken by high school or college programs to li- limit concussions. Uh, I'll ask you the same question that the poll uh, asked. If your son wanted to play football, before I give the results, you don't have a son. Uh, I don't have a son. We have daughters. If you had a son that wanted to play football, what would your reaction be? I would I would um, be hesitant. I forget exactly how we worded the answer, but I would be cautious. I would be hesitant. Uh, frankly, I would hope he didn't. He wouldn't play. My mother didn't want me to play football, and that was too long ago for me to think about. But um, I, I w- they had Twitter back then, though. <laughs> of course, uh, I would. I would agree with President Obama when he said he'd have to think long and hard about about letting his son. And he doesn't have sons either. Um, it's dangerous, and and now that it's been you know, so well publicized about the head injury and the long-term effects. It was one thing when my mother was afraid that, that, that the big kids would beat me up and I would be, have broken bones. She didn't know anything about concussions. And concussions. Right. It was about, you know, you're too little and there's big f- footballs for big people. Um, but, but now we know really how dangerous it is. All right, I'll try to present these numbers as simply as we can. 21% said uh, they enthusiastically encourage. 56%, the majority, cautiously allow. 18% would absolutely forbid it. But I want to break down between men and women. Uh, men, 30% encourage, 49% allow, 18% forbid. Among women, only 13% encourage, 62 allow, and 19% forbid. If you're splitting the difference between encourage and enthusiastically encourage, men and women are both allowing their their their, their sons to play football. Well, I go back to my mother who said, I don't want you to play, I don't want you to play, but when push came to shove, I played. So, you know, I think that's the thing. It's it's I'm I'm aware of the problem, I'm not gonna encourage this, but if my kid really wants to do it, I won't stand in his way. And that's that's why God invented parents. Speaking of parents, uh, the NBA wants to be everybody's parent. And the NBA commissioner, who, just on a side note, I find him to be absolutely refreshing. Uh, I don't know how, if you know Adam Silver at all. I, I've i been very impressed with a lot of his ideas. His league could use a couple more competitive teams. But other than that, <laughs> the NBA seems to be in really good hands. Um, the NBA commissioner has talked about raising the minimum age to draft players from 19 to 20 effectively meaning college players would have to complete two seasons um, not just one 55 percent of respondents agreed with two years of college plan with only 13 percent supporting one year the poll asked this question back in march of 2014 at which time 54 percent supported two years and just 19 percent one and done it's not a huge change i still think is the idea to protect college basketball? 
is the idea to help the NBA because too many young people are going in? What what's the goal here? I think I think in a vacuum the thought process is that these kids are coming into the NBA too young. And, yes, it's better for college basketball. I'm not sure people are conscious of that so much. Um, but that they're too young to play in the NBA. They could use another year of college. What they don't sort of focus on is the, let's just call it the constitutionality. How do you stop somebody from making a living, from making a lot of money if the offer is there? You know, I mean, tennis players can start playing when they're 15 years old. Uh, figure skaters have come out as pros when they're 13 years old. Why do basketball players have to be 20? It's not, you know, again, football is is a little bit different because there's a physicality that's that clearly, you know, a 20-year-old is a lot more ready than a 17 or 18-year-old. But basketball's not so much. Um, I just think it's people thinking, hey, they could use another year of college. They're too young to play professional sports. Let's, it, it, it's, the world is a better place if they play two years. Do... Uh, people that you deal with with the Big East Conference and the NCAA, uh, do they encourage this? Do, do they, they, does, does it give them a year to build up a star? Or is essentially college basketball is is player-proof because it doesn't really matter who's in it? Yeah, I don't think it's not something that the, that the conferences or the NCAA has really weighed in on. Is it better for college basketball? Sure, if, there's, if kids stay for two years. Um, but college basketball is doing just fine with you know look the 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 championship team i'll do my plug for villanova now um was was senior led and the team they played had seen was senior led so you know the the one and done phenomenon i'm not saying it's it's going away but we no longer have to feel that if kentucky recruits five freshmen they're going to win the championship every year it's not happening meanwhile college athletes in this question you hear all the time it's a big sports radio topic Paying college athletes. The poll asked if interest would change if college athletes were compensated. 64% said remain the same. 24 said it would decrease. 11% said it would increase. You know, the, I, I, I always get people in trouble when I say, what about the free tuition? <laughs> what about the fact that it's a scholarship? Uh, why doesn't that have value? I understand that the universities make... Uh, tons of money and I understand that the only thing that they can outspend each other for is the hiring of coaches but you're getting a free ride and the people who listen to this podcast are paying off student loans they don't want to hear about paying athletes I think that's very true I mean this is look this is an issue that's been discussed ad nauseum Um, you know the 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 student athletes uh, there's representatives of student athletes who have filed suits claiming that they're exploited um, but yeah, what about the full ride? Uh, you know, people people ha- have. I, I had a I had a friend who put a basketball hoop in his living room, and, so that his daughter could practice foul shooting, so she can get a scholarship, and she did. He he's not so concerned. I mean, obviously, women's basketball is not what we're talking about here, but pe- people strive to get their kids a scholarship. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird thing. The interesting thing about that is, the the statistics there are showing. 64% are, are saying that there's no effect, but one in four people are saying it would have a negative effect if athletes, if student athletes were paid. And one in four is, think about ratings, hit, taking a one in four hit, that's, that's a significant number of people who, who are saying that their interest in college athletics would decrease. Well, I think that you know, the issue then becomes 
uh, whether or not uh, the sports would have some form of revenue sharing uh, in terms of you know the gates. Would you pay more at other schools? What about smaller schools? I, I just think you're opening up Pandora's box. I do have this one proposal. This is something that I brought up, and uh, I was doing it in Seattle. It was about a, a University of Washington player who was uh, disciplined for doing something. I say that when you're, you know, different degrees of discipline, your penalty is a bill. Your tuition. You, for that month or, you know, don't take him off the team. Don't hurt the team, you know, because of this. Let him play. He pays for if you If you make that rule, nobody's getting in trouble. There's absolutely nobody that would get in trouble because these guys can't afford it. Yeah, well, that's for sure. They can't afford it. Telling a kid you have to pay... Forget about Washington. Yeah, a kid at Duke. I mean, these are not, for the most part, that's that's going to. I shouldn't say for the most part. In large cases, they're going to. That's going to kick. Effectively, have a kid have to quit the team. I can't stay here and and pay tuition. Does that mean they won't commit whatever misdeeds they committed? I don't know. You you might have I mean, to. That's be the a, whole thing, though. It's supposed to be a deterrent. It should. It, that should be a deterrent. Going to jail is a deterrent against committing crimes. I haven't seen the crime rate go down that much. So but you can have, you can have rules that are broken that are not crimes. Yes. That that's what I'm saying. If we're going to hold players to a higher standard, hold them to a higher standard. Yeah. No, agreed. I mean, it certainly, you would hope that the that kids would be wise enough to say, I don't want to, I don't want to put my my uh, scholarship in jeopardy. I'm going to obey the rules. And most kids do do that. All right, switching gears here, let's talk about gender equality, a national dialogue on the presidential campaign trail, which we have done a very good job of keeping out of the Seton Hall Sports Bowl this year. Uh, On the matter of the members of the U.S. women's soccer team, the World Cup champions, receiving comparable pay to members of the men's team. 73% of people polled indicated they should receive the same pay, with an additional 11% saying they should receive more. Only eight percent said should they should receive less. I'd, I'd love to meet the uh, the, uh, the the stereotypical uh, person that answered that call. One of them is running for president now. I'm not sure. Men strongly support equal pay, with sixty nine percent of approving, seventy six percent of women concur. Uh, it, it, it's a debate that that's gone on and 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 will continue to go on. I, I don't see the argument against it because now women's soccer has more endorsements they make more money uh they generate more revenue sports is becoming big a big deal in women's soccer take advantage of that they don't just make more money than they used to they're now the women's team is now making more money than the men's team 84 percent say they should get the same or more i think a fairness thing they should get the same um you know let's let the poor guys earn their earn their keep to a degree um but but um it, there, there really is a, a very little bit of an issue here. I think everybody has kind of come out on the right side on this thing, um, and and that's a good thing. It, it's fascinating to me that you know when whenever there are, are, are ideas that are of gender equality in sports, soccer is one sport where you could literally could have gender equality. You can say the same thing about tennis. You can say the same thing about golf. You know, we talk so many times about the quote unquote big four, and you don't necessarily go into sports that can have this. It just seems like everything in the poll was consistent with what you'd think it would be. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, look, tennis 
tennis got e- equal pay how many years ago when Billie Jean King was kind of leading the charge. But but even still, we had that controversy a short while ago where the where the head of one of the West Coast um, tennis events said that the women are riding the coattails of the men and they don't deserve to be paid as much and they should thank God for the they should get on their knees and and thank God for the men. I mean, it was just such a horrendous thing to say. So. I guess he's one of the 16% or whatever our percentage was. It's Look, it's still out there. You know, there's still issues. It, it's a testament to anonymous polling. It's a testament that some people can say their obscure, old-fashioned viewpoints uh, for all they want. Um, I don't. there's a guy running for president who's doing that. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. At all. Yeah, I, I, I tried. I, I, I tried to bring it. <laughs> I'm steering this ship, folks. Um Quickly, uh, before we, we close, uh, we've been doing this, this poll. I think this is our, our sixth or seventh podcast now that we've done. Um, I want to just ask you one question about the people who conduct the poll and the people who tabulate. Just uh, a quick mention about the, the efforts of them during the school year. Yeah, the, the, uh, the poll is really uh, um, conducted, completely conducted by students, Seton Hall students. Um, they do all of the interviewing. It is administered by Seton Hall students, in the in the, in the specific right now graduate students, who um, you know kind of do the recruiting and and the the explanations and stuff. Um, we we then um, have an outside vendor, ba- actually, who who a guy named Pat Egan. I'll give him his plug. Um, who who has uh, helped us out with the reports, with the results, the data. Um, we have a consultant, Murray Edelman, who is one of the world's foremost polling people, and um, and then it comes down to um, Murray, myself, Marty Appel, our crack PR guy. Um, Wait, he talks about crack? Yeah, that's, right. that's he does PR for crack as well as the Seton Hall Sports Bowl, um, and and um, and we come up with the release and and distribute. So it's a, it really is a great team effort and. Uh, and we kind of miss each other over the summer. Yeah, I, I would imagine that the, there are certain topics that come up over the summer that you must think, oh, that would be a great thing to, to get the band back together. Yeah, very frustrating. And, and let me just give one final plug in this. Um, Dr. Ann Mayo, who, who uh, invented the, the uh, School of Sport Management at, at um, Seton Hall, the Center for Sport Management at Seton Hall, um, about 11 years ago or 10 years ago, came up with this concept of doing the poll um, and I was fortunate enough to, to sort of fall in her lap, and she hired me and, and convinced me that this would be a worthwhile enterprise. She's leaving after 20 years at Seton Hall and 10 years of the poll. So, so thanks to her, uh, we're we're doing this. Yeah, it, it it really is the only poll of its kind, and uh, there are so many schools that do political polls, which you could spend all the research to just be one of half a dozen or a right. dozen. This is at least a unique venture, and it really does signify the commitment to sports and sports management that Seton Hall University presents. I've had an absolute blast. Um, I'm going to come by during the summer just to record stuff, just just me and you. I don't like talking to you without a microphone, so it'll just be a lot easier. I'll look forward to the mutual set. But in all seriousness, uh, this has been a great idea, a great addition to the poll, and we look forward to doing it next year. Same here. Can't wait till September. That's Rick Gentile. I'm Seth Everett. This has been the official Seton Hall Sports Poll Podcast for April 2016. For Rick Gentile, I'm Seth Everett. We'll see you next semester.